He takes them up onto a mountain, which is a place of divine inspiration and revelation. This is what he does. He takes them up there, and then he ascends into heaven right after this. Just whoop, off he goes, and they just stand there going, what just happened? Because what he tells them is something incredible. He says, exactly what I have been doing with you for three years, now you have to do this. He has given them the ministry of making disciples. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Sam. I'm the host for the show, um, and we are right in the middle of uh, a series called This Is Us, where we're walking through uh, the six code statements that we have as a church. And this week is about uh, the code statement multiply. And um, as Nathan was preaching this message, uh, there's a couple of things that kind of came to mind. Um, if you don't know, there's more than just Life Church can. There's uh, Life Churches in uh, various suburbs of Detroit. There's Life Church Southfield, Life Church Livonia, and now Life Church Auburn Hills. And that's because we have this value of multiplying. Um, and that's gone on um, even past staff that is currently here. There's staff that felt deeply about planning churches. And uh, Nathan's going to talk about the importance of that and the importance of discipleship in this message. I think it's powerful. Um, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So here it is. Welcome, everybody. How you doing? All right. All right. It's Saturday night. Fall's here for sure this time, except for when it's almost 90 degrees in a day or two. Uh, but I love this season, except for the allergies. But I love that you're here with us. I'm glad that you made this a priority. If you're brand new, if you've only been coming a couple times, this is an incredible series for you to be at. This is us we're talking about these code statements, these statements that define who we were, who we are, and who we will be. And so if you're brand new or you're checking us out, this is awesome because you get to see a snapshot of who we are. And I'm grateful that you are here. I hope you know that you belong, that you can feel safe to be yourself here. Even if you have to get up in the middle and go out, you're not going to offend me. The baby starts crying. It doesn't bother me. I have three kids in my house that are under the age of six. So... I just get interrupted constantly, so it doesn't even phase me. I just completely ignore them. Anyone else have that problem? You just ignore your children? Great, just me. Sweet. One of the things I want to say before we go any further, I sent an email out today to everybody that I can think of on our email list, but we have a town hall meeting coming on October 6th at 6 p.m., and I'd like for every one of you guys to be there, um, especially if you call this place your home. But if you have any questions about what's going on at the church, I think it's great, a town hall meetings where you show up and there's some mics and you can ask some questions, but we'll also have cards so you can ask questions anonymously. You never know when the question you have is the same as somebody else's. And this code is so important. I thought it was important for us to get together. We will have childcare, but we need to know about it. So in that email is a link for you to RSVP if you need childcare. Let us know you're coming. If your small group is meeting, you should be like, guys, we should be part of this. Even if, if you guys are going through this series uh, in your small group, which most of our small groups are, you really should be part of it. As well, I'm going to be revealing how you can partner with Life Church moving forward. So if you're a member, how that's going to continue and what we're going to be doing is we're going to do a little preview right there before we preach it. So I'd love for you guys to be there. So here's, here's I'm going to ask you a question, and the answer is, is, is yes. And I'd love for you all to say that. Will you consider being here on October 6th at 6 p.m.? 
Seven of you will. Sweet. The rest of you are like, I don't even want to consider it. I can't even possibly consider doing it. That's great. I, I, I hope that you will be here. It's going to be great. This next code, though, this next code I'm about to share, if you can do math, how many are left? Two, you guys did way better than, than the previous group. They're like, I don't know, 17? I don't know. There's only so much wall there, right? So we have two left. So we are going to share one in just a moment. But this one is so close to my heart, and it's so core to who we've been at Life Church. We're a 16-year-old church plant, and we've continued to church plant. We've um, planted Southfield first, then we uh, planted in Livonia, and then just recently we planted in Auburn Hills. And here's, that's right, some Auburn Hills people over here, hey, what's up? Hey, look, here is what it means to be a Life Church. When I was in seminary, I knew that I wanted to plant a church. However, it was not until I met a man named Alex Rahill that this passion started to unfold and take shape. I met Alan at Life Church Canton. We connected there, and uh, just as I listened to his heart and some of his story, I thought, God, you brought Alan to this moment because you're, you, you're ready to do the next thing with him. And I really sensed that in him and in us. So for a six-month period, I came on board, and I was trained at Life Church Camp. And after that time, I went out with that team, planted Life Church Southfield, and sat back and watched God do some amazing things. Right out of the gate that first year, we saw dozens of people come to faith in Christ. You could sense God's hand on that community. It was palpable. And now they're planting their first church. It's uh, everything you want to see happen in a church plant. And with a new church plant in mind, God led me to Donnerl Johnson and Cameron Underdown. And after spending significant time together, we discerned that they are the right people to launch Life Church Auburn Hills. You see, God is moving and He wants to do something powerful. He is longing to begin a new work and to expand His kingdom. And that starts with a seed a small group of people ready to say, I will go, send me. A group of people who believe in the mission of Christ and his passion to see lost people transformed through his gospel. But even with a few willing hearts, it still takes the whole body coming together to take on a venture like this. The covenant has a goal to plant 300 to 500 new churches because we believe that the church is God's vessel of hope for humanity. And this cannot be done without all of us coming together with our resources and our prayers. So my question for you is, will you accept the call? Auburn Hills has been launched for almost a year now, and they launched with like 300 people at their preview services, and they're going strong, and I think that's pretty amazing. What about you? Do you guys think that's amazing? Yes. And the greatest way to bring more people to Christ is to plant churches, but this is our code. Multiply. Multiply. It's short. It's one word. It's easy to remember. It's probably my favorite, the one that's closest to my heart. And I want to tell you that it's God's plan from the very beginning to multiply. If it's healthy, it reproduces. Genesis 1, 28. 
Every time you see multiply in this scripture, I want you to say multiply. I know, it's crazy. Now, here's the cool part. I even put it in a different color to make sure that you would know exactly where. I know some of you, you want to, you want to, you're like the people who want to clap, but you're not sure quite where to do it. I'd like, look, it's right there, multiply. So when we get to it, shout it out. Let's do it loud. Let's get excited about what this means as we learn it. God bless them. And God said to them, be fruitful and, and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is before any sin or brokenness entered into the world. Multiply was there. This idea of reproducing and growing. Now we went our own way and we made some messed up decisions and like it went really south for us. So much so that when God looked over the whole land, he's like, I just want to start over. But he decided to save one family through Noah. And he wipes the world out with the flood and he gets them all settled. And then he says to them, Genesis 9:1, be ready. Here we go. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and and fill the earth. Then he passed this blessing on to a group of people. He chose Abraham and said, I'm going to make a group of people and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And you're going to start to see a theme here in 35 verse 11. One last time. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and a nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come forth from you. All the world will be blessed through one man, which was Abraham's seed, we learn. A king, the second Adam, the great redeemer, the way, the truth, and the life. Making this man's name great is our function. A promise was given, and it was given through one man named Jesus Christ. And that's why it's central that Every time you come here that you encounter Jesus because this blessing is for all people and it's through this man and through us. We will multiply. We'll do this. This is who we're going to be. It's going to drive us. That means we're going to have more services, more uh, opportunities to reach people. That means we're going to have more small groups, more like mixed groups and men's groups and women's groups and student groups and kids groups. We're going to do more. Does that sound good to you? It sounds good to me. We're going to have more ministries. God's going to take us into Ann Arbor where you know they need Jesus because the University of Michigan's there. Every... Every university needs Jesus. Every university needs Jesus. Absolutely. Every single one of them. Just some of them need him a little more. And we're going to go there. Do you know that? We're going to go into the college, into the city. And we are going to go into Detroit. We already are, but we're going to do it more and more and more and more. Why? Because we have to multiply. We have to grow. We have to move forward. We have to train more leaders. We have to train more leaders, not just in here, but in the workplace. We have to do that so we can have church plants, so that we can do five and six. I'm already thinking seven, eight. Like, I'm, I'm five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. Like, we have to multiply. Why? To multiply is to continue what's going on in Genesis all the way through Jesus and into us. To bless the entire world through this one person, Jesus, that he had passed this multiplication ministry to his disciples. And I want to show you where this comes from in a moment, but I, I'm concerned a little bit 
This is so close to my heart to put everything that I think about this into a 30-minute sermon is like painful for me. But I, I, I'm concerned because I'm not sure that we're ready to hear this. See, if you're a regular here or a member here, I want you to listen because I want to challenge you. First, I want to thank you. There are people in this room who made a commitment to come on 4 and 5.30 and, uh, on the Saturday so that they can make room on Sunday. And Sunday is starting to get busy. There's starting to be like very little seats there. And I want to thank you because you have decided that for, not for the sake of your convenience, but the sake of other people, you will come on Saturday. And I love what we do here. I love it. I love how relaxed we can be. I love what's going on. But I know that you guys have made commitments to do that. I want to thank you to lay down what God could do for you to see what he could do through you is powerful. That's multiplication. That's whatever it takes, you know. It's not whatever it takes, whichever service I feel like going to for you. It's like whatever it takes, wherever God takes me, I will do that. I want to thank you for that. But I want to challenge you because for many of us, we have small groups that we've been a part of for a long time, and we love them. We should. We live life together. It's comfortable and familiar, but you won't grow, and you won't multiply. You won't grow because you're too scared of losing of what you have. You've grown used to the blessing and forgot about those who do not have. Let's be honest with you. What is more important to you, keeping what you have or extending the love and grace of community to the lonely and the hurting? You know the answer to this question. It's not hard. See, multiply relentless pursuit of one more, whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, it requires something from us, and that's our money. I, I'm going to be honest. We have a long way to go, church, in the way that we use our finances. I'm going to be honest with that. We've got a long way to go. We need to multiply churches and ministries, and it's fun to clap for that. It's fun to get excited about that, but you know that each of those church plants at a minimum cost $250,000 over three years? It's easy to clap. It's hard to give. There's a group of faithful, regular, consistent givers here who have helped make not just those three church plants possible, but this place and everything we do possible. They are amazing people who sacrificially do whatever it takes. But that number is much smaller than you think. It costs something to be part of that group of people. Just to be honest, this is reality. Whatever and wherever is going to take us. So my question for you, do you really want to be part of this? The greatest enemy of our church is our own complacency. We have forgotten the urgency of the gospel. We have allowed ourselves to be swayed by complacency. How do I know this? Well, I see it every day. I struggle with it myself, just hearing all the different things that I can do with my time, all the different ways that I can feed myself, feel good about myself, buy things, get things, get stuff. All this starts to kind of sway you. But I also know it because I can see people who come from outside of our country who see what's going on here and call it out. Do you know in Iran, right now, a Muslim, like, run, it's Islamic, it's, it's, it's completely run 
by that, it, it, the Ayatollahs and all that. It, it, it's one of the places where the greatest persecution of Christians is ever happening. Do you know that there's an awakening happening in Iran? Do you know that there's a growth of Christianity that's so hard to explain? Did you know that the mosques are emptying in Iran? Did you know that? That in the midst of the greatest persecution, the church is growing it is incredible. You've got to like hear about this. You've got to watch this. There's an incredible um, movie on YouTube. You can go on. It's called uh, Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. And you need to watch it. It's going to wreck you. It's going to wreck you. These people, they walk out the door. Walk out the door and they made an agreement to know that, guess what? Most likely today I might not come back home. It's led mostly by women which is just awesome, and that it's not have any central structure or church buildings or anything like that. It's just one-on-one -on -one with these women who are going out. It's like pretty much the opposite of what's happening in the church in, in America. And it's crazy. These, these extremist Muslims are finding out that Islam is a lie, and they are following after Jesus even though it costs them everything. And this woman who is leading they got out, her and her husband got out of Iran, came to America. Wow, isn't that the dream, right? You come to America and everything was great and they had freedom to worship and they didn't have to wear the stuff anymore and they got to go out and just worship God and be with thousands of Christians at a time. Do you think that should just cause so much joy? Within a month, a woman turns to her husband and says, we have to go back to Iran. And this is why. She said, there's a satanic lullaby here, and all the Christians are sleepy, and I'm starting to feel tired. Wake up, oh sleeper. Complacency will kill our church, because there's nothing complacent about the gospel. It requires that we multiply. This is why we have this code, because it drives us. Do, do you see how this builds? It's like we create a place where everyone feels like they can belong for the first time in their life, so they can be open to hear. And what they're going to hear and what they're going to encounter is Jesus. And when you interact with Jesus, it transforms you from the inside out. Every time I meet with Jesus, I walk away different. And that's the same with you. We want you to meet him over and over again. But then what happens is when you get this fire inside of you, like these women in Iran, is they just go after people, relentlessly pursue people, no matter what. They've got to know. They've got to know about Jesus. And they'll do whatever it takes, which means staying in a country where they could die, and they'll go wherever it takes them, which means going out into the markets where they might die. They'll do it. See, this is what happens when you come here. Things change. And then into multiply, right? You can't go wherever it takes you unless you can multiply, we, if it takes us into Detroit, we're going to have to plant a lot of churches in here. And guess what? If we have to plant a lot of churches, that means we have to train a lot of leaders. So we have to multiply. I've said a lot, but I want to go to Scripture again. Are you here? Are you with me? Are you awake? Those are not rhetorical questions. <laughs> you can speak back to me. It's okay. You can say what you think. Let me know you're here. But I want to go to Matthew 28. This is the last thing that Jesus ever said to us as a church that we have recorded. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Listen for the first time, maybe. New ears, new eyes. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the last thing that Jesus says to us. He takes them up onto a mountain, which is a place of divine inspiration and revelation. This is what he does. He takes them up there, and then he ascends into heaven right after this. Just whoop, off he goes, and they just stand there going, what just happened? Because what he tells them is something incredible. He says, exactly what I have been doing with you for three years, now you have to do this. He has given them the ministry of making disciples. This moment actually is the fulfillment of the promise at the very beginning. This is the multiplication is through discipleship. You guys ever heard of Rick Warren? If you're a Christian, you probably know him. If you're not a Christian, you probably don't know who this guy is, but he's kind of a pillar in our community. He's done incredible things. He's just an amazing guy. He had a dad who loved Jesus. Simple guy who just built churches, but like literally built church buildings. And he got sick and died. It was about to die, and he, he did die. And um, he had cancer, and it was making him a little bit delirious. And so he would actually speak in his dreams. And, and so Rick Warren tells a story about how he would listen to him and learn about what happened to him in World War II, which he never shared and heard these stories over and over again. And it starts to get really bad where he's about to die and weak. And his father kind of gets delirious and starts sleep like walking, but he can't get out of bed. He shouldn't get out of bed. If he does, he's going to get hurt. So he, he, he just kept saying, hey, dad, dude, just lay, lay, lay down, lay down. And, and this, he was just belligerent. And just like got up and he kept saying something over and over again. He must have said it over a hundred times. And you know what he was saying? I've got to save one more for Jesus. I've got to save one more for just, just, just one more. Rick Warren, that impacted him. He did incredible things. This passion, this excitement, this call to be fruitful and multiply. It's just been continued through Jesus into the disciples and then into us. When Jesus spoke in Abraham, to Abraham in Genesis 35 and said, nations will come from you and the world will be blessed through you, he was talking about you. Not someone else, not some pastor, you. But multiplication requires much. This is going to cost us, church. What does it take to continue to plant churches and grow the leaders who can run them? What does it take to come up with the millions of dollars to reach new people and to create new ministries? What does it take to keep training up people to go and lead those ministries and go with the church planters to send them and create this gap and then try to fill the gap again? What does it take to grow a church in Iran? What can we do to multiply? The answer is all the same thing. All the same thing. What does multiplication require? Discipleship. Multiplication requires discipleship, just like Jesus said. You can't have one without the other. The Iranian awakening, it says it happens through discipleship. No property, no buildings, no leadership led by women. See, they say things like this. Discipleship is core to what we do. We don't convert people to then disciple them. We disciple them to convert them. He says, see, the church in Iran who had converts ran under persecution. The church in Iran that had disciples flourished under persecution. 
Discipleship is core. It's core to this church from the very beginning. Some of the artifacts, right? We're only 16 years old. Artifacts sounds like that sounds like really old. But, but some of the things that I have found show that discipleship was key from the very beginning. And it goes through to now that discipleship is what changes things. So what is discipleship? Simply, discipleship is influencing others to follow and imitate Jesus Christ. Disciples are those who hear, understand, and obey Jesus' teaching. You see that right in the scripture. Discipleship is giving what you got for the growth of someone else. It's what Jesus did with the disciples and what he's calling you to do with others. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, that seems like a lot. But imagine this. Imagine someone has a, a cup, you know, just a cup, red solo cup. I don't know. You can imagine whatever kind of cup you want. And it's empty. And what God is saying for us to do is you've got to pour what I put in you into that cup. He didn't say you had to fill the cup. He didn't say you had to be everything. He just had to pour out what you have and help them find someone else to pour into them. That is discipleship. Existing and loving and pushing so that one person knows Jesus. What Jesus did for the disciples, we have to do for others. When I say multiply, I'm saying disciple. When I say multiply, I'm saying disciple. They are one. They're the same they both augment each other and they both require of each other. I want to go back to the scripture and walk this out for you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, listen, all authority in heaven. Uh, how much authority? Yeah, good. You guys are paying attention. In heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... We love the idea that Jesus is Savior and he loves us. And sometimes we think of him more like a boyfriend, but like he is more than that. He is actually Lord. He has all authority. He has universal lordship. And we don't like someone being in charge of us as Americans. But he is the business. He is everything. He has the authority and when he says something, it's powerful and it means something. Jesus is stating, I am, therefore. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples is the verb here. We could get focused on the go or some of the things that come later like baptizing and teaching, but there aren't equal verbs here. Make disciples is the verb. It is the command. It's the only one that's imperative for those of us who like are geek out about those kinds of things. All the rest are participles. It is just make disciples. Everything points to this. Jesus showed it. Jesus is saying, multiply. Go into all the nations. What I did in you must continue beyond you. It wasn't just for you 12. It was for the entire world. He's saying all authority exists in me. Therefore, make disciples. Our obedience demands that we disciple. If we're going to be obedient, we have to disciple, pure and simple. This is a clear commission, not a nice suggestion. It does not consider whether you find it convenient or your time frame. We cannot forget that he is Lord. And so we often have to change the way we view. We have to get our heart to realize that sometimes we have to do some things that we don't like. Anyone have to do some things that they don't like? Everyone in the room has to do some things that they don't like, right? No one in here, anyone in here never have to do anything they don't like? Yeah, I didn't, back there, sweet. Good, no, she's like, no, 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 I've just seen if you pay attention. 
Man, one of the things I don't like to do is change my daughter's diaper. Anyone like changing diapers? I don't. Do you see what they put in those diapers? Like it is, she's a little girl and my sweet little angel, but what comes out of her ain't any of those things. Like it's nasty. And you'd think by the third child I'd be used to it, but each child has their own, you know, aroma. And it's like, whoo, like here's the thing. Everyone in here understands that I don't change her diapers because I enjoy it. I do it for something deeper, right? And I'll lead my heart to the place where I start to enjoy it. Why? Because I know that as I serve her, take care of her, I'm investing not in a drudgery, not in doing what is right, not in stoicism, just do what's right, buckle up, but I'm investing in purpose. Studies show that parents who change their children's diapers have a greater connection when the child has grown up. Do you know that? Thank goodness. So I changed diaper, I change diapers because in grade school, I want to delight in her joy. I changed diapers for the years in college and beyond as she grows into this beautiful daughter of Jesus. I changed diapers so that someday I can have this connection as we walk down the aisle together and I give her away. And I change diapers so someday. I might be able to change more diapers. It's diapers. But it has something to do with discipleship. So we get this with our family. We understand people. We understand kids that they need us, that they need us. Why can't we get this about the church, that there are people around us who are spiritual children who need us to love them, to change their diapers, metaphorically speaking. So interesting, Rick Warren talked about him, right? There's a purpose. So he watches his dying father beg for more moments to save people for Jesus. And he goes on and writes two books, Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church, which you're like, wow, purpose, that's cool. Except he sold 32 million copies of each. And at one point in 2005, a survey went out to say of American pastors, what are the two most influential books you are reading? Meaning, what books are influencing the American church more than anything else? And you know what the uh, two books were? Number one, Purpose Driven Life. Number two, Purpose Driven Church. Now we think like that's passe, but my goodness, discipleship did that. Impact make that did that. Your children are watching you. That's one of the greatest areas of discipleship that we have to engage in. But it's not the only one. Let me say it this way. If multiplication, to multiply and to disciple, the same thing, is obedience, then if you do not multiply, you are being disobedient. That's how logic works. This is hard. Mark Hurst is one of the people who discipled me. He, he was my former lead pastor um, where I was before here. And he is the most gentle man. He is like the kindest guy. He can say something about the deepest, darkest secret you have and point out the, like, the thing, just cut through to like the darkest secret in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? But do it in a way where you're like, oh man, thanks. Like, like he can like challenge people like I've never seen anyone challenge people before and you come out of there like loving him. Like you're not mad at all. You're just like, thanks, you see me. I, I appreciate you. But he says some things, man, that are hard. I love it. And I want to share something that he has shared before. He says, I'm convinced 
that you cannot call yourself a Christian if you aren't discipling. Ooh. Make disciples. Don't make disciples. Are you really following? Why does all this matter? Because so much of, our star- so much of us are starving for a purpose, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, whether you, you know, if you're a man especially, men kind of fixate on this. Do I have a purpose? Do I have meaning? Discipleship is the greatest purpose you will ever bring into this world. Pouring yourself out into someone is the greatest thing you could ever do. And if you know Jesus, what you do goes into eternity and beyond. But if you don't, it's only for this moment. But I will tell you, no matter who you are, discipleship is the greatest thing you could ever do. Why does this matter so much? Because I know that God wants to do something and bless all nations. And it won't happen without multiplication. And multiplication won't happen without discipleship. It demands it. All of our code builds on each other. This is the natural conclusion. And it's one of the hardest things we'll have to strive for. Life Church, though, we will multiply. We will or I won't be here because you'll fire me because it'll be annoying. I'll be just like, hey, like multiply, multiply, multiply. I got to do this. We got to do this. This is who we are. Why? Because we won't sway. We won't listen to this lullaby. We won't sway to this cadence of complacency that is spoken over us by every ad and every moment and everything that we go through. We're not going to sway anymore. We're going to listen. We're going to listen for a different beat, a drumbeat of purpose and of destiny that Jesus called us to, and instead we'll dance to that, and it will look crazy to the rest of the world, but it'll transform it. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Discipleship is something different discipleship it leaves a legacy it leaves something behind it's something that's more i love this quote a society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit oh that's good a legacy there's a legacy in this church that has resulted in four churches, multitudes of people sent, ministries overseas, affecting lives we'll never touch and know, hundreds and thousands of salvations and more new life than you can shake a stick at. Like it is incredible the legacy of the leaders and what they have left behind. Because discipleship, it leaves a legacy that can't be touched. Discipleship outlasts any church, any leader, any politician, any fad, any denomination, any country, any decade, any century, it changes the world. It is why Christianity is flourishing in Iran, and it is why we will reach people we've never reached before. Discipleship leaves a legacy. Look, I wouldn't be here except for discipleship. Larry McWhorter, Jerry Lance, I'm sorry, Jason Lance, Jimmy Wanzer, Mark Hurst, Tim Broughton, David Dutton. On and on and on. I can list name after name after name who poured out what they had into me. Larry McWhorter prayed at my bed every night that I would find a woman of God. Jimmy Wanzer showed me what it meant to love. You belong. Jimmy Wanzer showed me how to belong. Mark Hurst showed me how to lead with that love. David Dutton set me straight when I lost my way. I needed smacked. And Jason Lance is the one 
who helped me understand that this is the place God was calling me to. On and on and on. Every transition of importance in my life happened because someone else discipled me. Without discipleship, I would never overcome some of the greatest sin issues of my life. Where someone said, I love you too much to stay this way. You have got to deal with this now, today, not a moment longer. I would never have had the courage. I would never have been able to be vulnerable in a way where I trusted someone would walk with me. If not for discipleship, I stand on the shoulders of mighty men of God. It's true. I do. They left a legacy, and that's in me. And to honor what they have done, I must pass that on to someone else and someone else and someone else. To honor the sacrifices of the Messiah, I must pass on what I have. God help me. God help us as we disciple. We will multiply. We can't stop. We won't stop. And it will require of each of us a sacrifice of convenience. It will require, most of all, discipleship. It will mean we have to change the way we think and we have to disciple. I want you to know that we're not going to do this alone. And I'm announcing for the first time that we will be starting the life journey in February of 2020. The life journey is something that's been worked on for a year. It's, it's been something that's being developed for the last 10 years, and it's a course. It's a process of moving people from one maturity level to the other. It's about intentionally partnering with disciple makers to help the people that they're loving on grow. See, we're a church that's not going to just say, hey, go do this. We're going to help you do this. We're going to train you to do this. We're going to help you grow into this. And so if anything in you has stirred, you need to sign up when it comes in February for something that will change your life. But there's a meantime, right? Like, what are you, what are you great, February 2020. Like, what, what am I supposed to do now? You just really bugged me. What am I supposed to do? Well, you need to multiply. We already talked about it. You need to multiply your small group. But one way you can do it is you can multiply. If you serve, you can multiply the people who serve here by inviting someone to serve alongside you. It's discipleship. You show them what you do. You give them your heart. That's discipleship. You can multiply by discipling your children, realizing that what you do around them will go beyond you in them. And so you better be intentional about how you disciple their hearts as if you are discipling a daughter or a son of the king. This is an intentional process of multiplication that we are in for the long haul. This is not something that's just going to happen until we plant another church. This is going to be who we are because we are learning. We are learning from Iran. We are learning from history. And we are remembering the truth of what the commission actually means. Make disciples. As we finish, I want all of us to stand. Will you stand with me? This is a lot. And I hope that it's churning you up inside. I want to read this for you again. And I want you to pay attention to how it ends. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Just close your eyes. Open your hands as if you're going to receive something. If you can't imagine, you're standing with Jesus right before he leaves on top of a, of a mountain. 
full of hope and joy because you've seen that he died for you and then he rose again and you're being transformed. And this is the last thing he's about to say to you and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you feel the weight of that. You feel the weight of that thought on you right now. Just that moment of, oh my gosh, how can I be responsible for anyone else, Jesus? I'm a mess. And then he says this. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If we multiply, it'll stretch us beyond who we are now, God. But we will also know that if we make disciples, you have promised you will be with us. For those of you who need to make a decision to follow Jesus after you heard all that, if you heard all that, you're like, oh my gosh, this cost seems high. But some stern inside of you are like, this is a purpose I want to live for. I encourage you to talk to God right now. I'm going to help you do that. And all you need to do is repeat after me out loud, in your heart, in your own words or mine, and make this a conversation between God who moved heaven and earth to find you and had you in mind when he told Abraham he'd bless the whole world that he wants to do it through you. So pray this with me. God, I'm broken. I need to be made right with you. The only way that's going to happen is if Jesus does that for me. I believe that Jesus poured his life out for me. So I accept it. I accept it. And I will pour my life out for others. I will tell them about this hope that I've found. And I will be transformed as I relentlessly pursue other people so that they can see you, Jesus, and your love your glory. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.